You're listening to a live audio recording from Women's Bible Fellowship at LEFC. This is week number eight of None Like Him. Today's teaching focuses on the truth that God is omniscient. Sorry to interrupt your conversation. I'm sure you've been having good discussion around your table, as we did at ours, about how knowledge can be a good thing and how it can be an unhealthy, obsessive thing. So um, it's wonderful to, to be with you this morning. And I just want to give, I haven't done this for a few weeks, a special shout out to our online friends who are listening. I hope that you feel engaged with this study and realize that you're an important part of this class also. A.W. Tozer said that an attribute is something that God has declared to be true about himself. And keep in mind, he can't lie. We can be confident that each and every one of these qualities that we study are absolutely true about God. Tozer believed there are two ways to know God, theologically and experientially. Both ways are critical, but I think too often we base most of our understanding on our experiential knowledge of God. But the more we know God with a solid theological framework, the more accurate our experiential perspective will be. And on the flip side, if our theological lens is distorted, then our experiential understanding will be also. As I said last week, loving the Lord with our mind also will help keep us on track when our experiences or feelings are leading us astray. So please pray with me. Lord, we acknowledge And we thank you that you are omniscient. You are all-knowing. That's a hard concept for us to get a hold of because we actually know so little. But what a comfort to know that our loving Heavenly Father knows all, past, present, future. Open our minds now. Open our hearts. Remove all the distractions that we may hear your voice and what you have to say to us. Speak in spite of me, Lord. We just pray for your blessing on this time together. We love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. So this week we looked at the attribute of omniscient, the God of infinite knowledge. Some definitions of omniscient, all-knowing, know-everything, having infinite awareness, understanding, and insight, possessed of universal or complete knowledge, God knows everything, including the past and the future, in addition to the present. There is nothing that God is unaware of. Tozer said the human mind staggers under this truth when we consider how much there is to know and how little we do know. God cannot learn because he already knows all there is to know. God does not need to Google anything And he knows everything perfectly. He never gets astonished or surprised because he already knows. Acts 15, 18, in fact, states that known unto God are all his works from long ago. Even a person whom we would consider to be a brilliant mind has such extremely limited knowledge. Sir Isaac Newton was one of the greatest mathematical and scientific minds of all times. And he was approached by someone who commented on the tremendous store of knowledge that he surely must have. And Newton replied by saying, 
I remind myself of a little boy walking along the seashore picking up seashells. The boy has a handful of shelves, shells, as many as he can hold, but all around him is the vast seashore, stretching as far as the eye can see. All that I know, Newton continued, is simply a handful of seashells. But the vast universe of God is filled with knowledge that I do not possess. But ladies, God, God has every single seashell in his storehouse of knowledge. It is mind-boggling to try to grasp. I want to read several scriptures that define the infinite knowledge of God. And some of these you already looked at in your homework. Isaiah 40, 14. Whom did he, meaning God, whom did God consult and who gave him understanding and who taught him in the path of justice and taught him knowledge and informed him of the way of understanding? No one can teach God anything and yet don't we sometimes try? We feel the need to kind of clear things up for him, to explain our viewpoint to help him see what the real issue at stake is. Our foolish pride and our desire for autonomy rears its head so often. Daniel 2:22. it is he who reveals the profound and hidden things. He knows what is in the darkness and the light dwells with him. So God doesn't just know the obvious facts that are clear. God knows everything that's hidden also. Psalm 139, 1 through 4 is a passage that we're all so familiar with, but I want to read it, and please let the meaning really penetrate your soul. O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know when I sit down and when I rise up. You discern my thoughts from afar. You search out my path and my lying down and are acquainted with all my ways. Even before a word is on my tongue, O oh Lord, you know it all together. Ezekiel 11.5 says, For I know your thoughts. And the ESV version says, For I know the things that come into your mind. Job 23.10, But he knows the way I take. He knows our thoughts. He knows our actions. Psalm 147.5, His understanding is infinite. And Colossians 2.2-3, this is talking about Jesus, that their hearts may be encouraged, having been knit together in love and attaining to all the wealth that comes from the full assurance of understanding, resulting in a true knowledge of God's mystery, that is Christ himself, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In John 21, Peter says, Lord, you know all things. You know that I love you. 1 Corinthians 2, 10 through 11, talking about the Holy Spirit. These things God has revealed to us through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches everything, even the depths of God. For who knows a person's thoughts except the Spirit of that person which is in him? So also no one comprehends the thoughts of God except the Spirit of God. Romans 11, verses 33 through 34 Oh, the depth of the riches and wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and how inscrutable his ways. For who has known the mind of the Lord or who has been his counselor? There's no doubt 
Scripture makes it perfectly clear that God, that Jesus, that the Holy Spirit are omniscient. They know all. This is what Arthur Pink says about the omniscience of God. He knows everything, everything possible, everything actual, all events, all creatures, God the past, the present, the future. He is perfectly acquainted with every detail in the life of every being. Nothing escapes his notice. Nothing can be hidden from him. Nothing is forgotten by him. His knowledge is perfect. He never errs. He never changes. He never overlooks anything. And with all of the attributes that we've talked about, this one included, his infinite knowledge of us, should lead us to bow in adoration and stand in awe. But instead, it may at times fill us with apprehension. Again, I'm going to read some of Pink's thoughts on that. Yet how little do we meditate upon this divine perfection? Is it because the very thought of it fills us with uneasiness? How solemn is this fact that nothing can be concealed from God? For I know the things that come into your mind, every one of them, Ezekiel says. Though he be invisible to us, we are not so to him. Neither the darkness of night or the curtains or the deepest dungeon can hide any sinner from the eyes of the omniscience. The trees of the garden were not able to conceal our first parents. No human eye beheld Cain murder his brother, but God witnessed his crime. Sarah might laugh derisively in the seclusion of her tent, yet it was heard by Jehovah. Achan stole a wedge of gold and carefully hid it in the earth, but God brought it to light. David was at much pains to cover up his wickedness, but the all-seeing God sent one of his servants to say to him, you are the man. Number says, be sure your sin will find you out. This fact that God knows all, sees all, our inner thoughts that we can keep secret from even those closest to us, it can cause an uneasiness. And as we briefly discussed last week about God being everywhere with us, seeing all, we may get a little uncomfortable with the reality that God knows all of our thoughts and feelings and words and actions. We can hide so much from other people, but we cannot hide anything from God. We can put a smile on and use all the appropriate Christianese language and just seem like we have it all together. But God knows our heart with its aches, and he knows our mind with its doubts or impure thoughts. In fact, Pink postulates that man would strip the deity of his omniscience if he could. Think about that, would you? It's a question worth pondering. If we could strip God of his omniscience, would we? But God doesn't want his omniscience to fill us with shame or fear or anxiety. He wants it to be a comfort to us that I know you and I still love you and want a relationship with you. The omniscience of God should fill us with amazement and gratitude. He does know us that well and yet loves us with an everlasting love, calls us his own, desires intimacy with us. It's actually a comfort that we have no secrets from him. Kind of like with a child. Sometimes when they're caught, 
there's almost a sense of relief. And maybe not even just a child, but maybe an adult who's going down a wrong path. Really deep down, they're almost glad that you found out because they no longer have to deceive or pretend or hide. And once the secret is out, so to speak, that's when a change in behavior or attitude can begin. The first step for an addict is admitting she has a problem. Well, God knows it already. So shouldn't we be more willing to admit, to confess our sinful thoughts and struggles freely to him? Pink goes on to discuss how the infinite knowledge of God should fill us with several emotions. As I've already mentioned, it should leave us in a state of awe that nothing we do or say or think will escape him. Proverbs 15.3, the eyes of the Lord are in every place. Genesis 16.13, when Hagar, in her distress, calls on the Lord and says, you are a God who sees me. Secondly, God's omniscience should fill us with adoration. Pink highlights that the whole of his life stood open to God's view from the beginning. He foresaw my every fall my every sin, my every backsliding, yet nevertheless he fixed his heart upon me. Oh, how the realization of this should bow me in wonder and worship before him. And God's all-knowing nature should give us comfort. Like Job declared in 23.10, he knows the way I take. Psalm 103.14, he knows our frame. And Peter, which I read earlier, Lord, you know me. You know I love you. The comfort also lies in the fact that not only does he know our words and thoughts and actions, but he also knows our needs, our wants, our desires, our hurts, our pains. He knows what we are trying to pray, even though we stumble over the words. I shared with you a few weeks ago when I walked through that deep valley, and the only thing I could pray was the name of Jesus, and yet God knew. He knew exactly what my broken heart was trying to communicate. Romans 8.26 reveals that when we do not even know how to pray, the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words because he knows. Tozer stated that the Lord knows what you're telling him, and he knows it more perfectly than you even do. I'm sure we have all experienced trying desperately to convey to someone exactly how we're feeling, and somehow it gets lost in the translation. And is that not so frustrating? Our husband or friend assume that we're just feeling angry, when really it's like, no, I'm more hurt. I have a lot of pain. Or we're trying to express concern to someone, but they just think we're being overly pessimistic or giving a doomsday prediction. What an absolute blessing that we have a loving God who will never misinterpret our words or misunderstand our heart. Pink says the lack of appropriate language, the inability to give expression to the deepest longing of the soul will not jeopardize our prayers. Isaiah 65, 24, it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. He knows exactly what we're trying to say. And as I conveyed with God's omnipresence, the true comfort in his omniscience 
comes in realizing that the all-knowing God is also and always will be all-loving, all-gracious, all-good, all-forgiving, all-merciful, all-just. We can trust him completely with this thorough and intimate knowledge of us. He will never use it against us or throw it in our face. I'm sure you've all experienced at one point that you share some deep, dark secret with someone, and then you walk away saying, oh man, maybe I shouldn't have told them that. Now they know that about me. We don't have to worry that God is going to manipulate us with this information. In fact, he can only be infinitely merciful and compassionate and kind. Tozer says, is your blood pressure running high? Are you worried? Maybe you don't know what to do and you think nobody else knows. Well, I have news for you. He that is perfect in knowledge is with you and he knows. If you will trust him, he will bring you out all right. He is perfect in knowledge and will lead you through. And when you come out, you will know that everything God did was right. We really can't discuss God's comprehensive knowledge without hitting on his wisdom as there is a direct correlation between the two. Although being slightly different, they are closely related. Because God is perfect in every way, in addition to full knowledge, he also has perfect wisdom, infinitely wise. The definition of wisdom is applying knowledge, good judgment, soundness of an action or decision, knowledge and the capacity to make good use of it. Knowledge of what is true or right, coupled with just judgment. Tozer, in response to the question, what is wisdom, answered it this way. It is the skill to achieve the most perfect end by the most perfect means. Wisdom is the ability to see the end from the beginning, to see everything in proper relation and in full focus. Let me read several scripture verses talking about the wisdom of God. Daniel 2, 20 through 21. Daniel answered and said, Let the name of God be blessed forever and ever, for wisdom and power belong to him, and it is he who changes the times and the epochs. He removes kings and establishes kings. He gives wisdom to wise men and knowledge to men of understanding. Even people who we think of as being so wise or knowledgeable, first received it from God, the only authentic source of all wisdom. Proverbs 3.19, the Lord by wisdom has founded the earth, by understanding has he established the heavens. Jeremiah 10.12, he established the world by his wisdom and stretched out the heavens by his discretion. Job 12, 13, with him is wisdom and strength. He is counsel and understanding. Psalm 104, O Lord, how many are thy works. In wisdom thou hast made them all. Romans 16, 27, to God only wise, be glory through Jesus Christ forever. Ephesians 1, 8, in all wisdom and insight, he made known to us the mystery of his will. Ephesians 3.10, in order that the manifold wisdom of God might be made known. Isaiah 11.2, a prophecy about Jesus. And the Spirit of the Lord will rest on him, 
the spirit of wisdom and understanding, the spirit of counsel and strength, the spirit of knowledge and the fear of the Lord. And an area about God's perfect knowledge that I'm just going to mention quickly, I don't have time to really get into it, is just all the prophecies that God foretold long ago and were completely fulfilled. That, again, is evidence of his perfect knowledge. We live in a day and a culture where so many seem to lack wisdom. When we look at the foolishness of the world, that killing babies is called a choice. That the world is telling us you can choose your gender. You can change your gender. You can define marriage and family any way you want. Isn't it comforting to know that we worship and serve and are known by a God of absolute wisdom? God's wisdom is vastly different from the wisdom of mortal man. God's wisdom has a moral component. It is high and holy, full of love and purity, and it is always best because it's based on his full extensive knowledge of all, past, present, future. Man's so-called wisdom can never compare. So we've established that God is omniscient. We believe that he's all-knowing. And we talked about the benefits to us, that he is completely all-wise. But why does this matter to us on a daily basis? Well, Jeremiah tells us in 29.11 that God knows the plans he has for us. And those plans are completely wise. Philippians informs us that God will be faithful to complete a good work in us. And that is by his wisdom. And Romans 8 instructs that God is working all things out for good in the wisest way. So if God is all-knowing and all-wise, then those verses above assure us that his ways are best. His plan for our future is better than any we could sketch out. The good work he has for us to become and do far surpasses what we may imagine. And when we are having a hard time seeing any good in a situation or an entire season, we can trust God to work it out for his glory and for our long-term eternal benefit. Tozer wrote that it's either got to be God's wisdom or yours. It's either God's way or yours. All that you and I have lived for, hoped for, and dreamed over in our heart of hearts Life, safety, happiness, immortality, the presence of God hinges on whether we're going to accept the ultimate wisdom of the triune God as revealed in the scriptures and in his providential working in mankind, or are we going to go our own way? Isaiah 53, 6 warns us that all we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. We turn to our own way because we think that it might be wiser than God's way. Maybe we know better in this one situation. Now, being good Christians, we would never admit that out loud. We audibly acknowledge, oh yes, God's ways are higher than mine. He is much wiser than I am. He knows what's best. And yet, how do we approach each day and its many decisions? How do we face the fork in the road, especially when we have a really strong opinion about which route we want to take? Our autonomous self rises up, and we choose 
what we determine is best for us. Sometimes even at the total neglect of even asking the all-knowing Father who loves us with an everlasting love. And we've even become masterful at finding a scripture verse to justify our decision. Should we not allow the one who not only knows us, but knows the future, to guide us on the road ahead? This past weekend, our dear friends were visiting. Um, they live in New Jersey, and they were with us for the weekend. And on Saturday, we had head out to the outlets. Their son and his girlfriend had come in. They wanted to go to some of the furniture stores out there, and we were going to meet them. And our friend Jim has so much faith in his GPS. He, he has this really nice fancy car with this high-tech GPS system, and he loves it and lives by it. And so we're leaving our house to go out 30 east. We live in Lidditz to go out 30 east to the outlets. And his GPS is sending us west, like sending us to Mannheim Pike. And we go like a few miles down Mannheim Pike and do this U-turn only to five miles later, drive by the very exit that we would have entered on. And Ron and I are adamantly saying to him, Jim, this makes no sense. We live here. We know the way. We have been to the outlets before. We have traveled that route. But he wouldn't listen to us because he had so much faith in his GPS. And we got a good chuckle over how much he was wasting our time and taking us out of, you know, on a longabout way. But don't we do the same thing with God? He knows the future. But how many times do we put our so much stock in our own instinct, our own desires, the advice of a loving, caring friend, that we ignore the one who has already traveled the route, who knows the way perfectly. He has the wisdom to prepare us and equip us and carry us through. Isn't it assuring to know that an infinitely loving and wise God holds our future, knows our future, and knows us intimately? There is nothing that will come into your life or happen to you that God is or ever was unaware of. Let me say that again. There is nothing that will come into your life or happen to you that God is or ever was unaware of. Pink said, God's knowledge of the future is as complete as his knowledge of the past and the present. And, and that is because the future depends entirely upon himself. And he is always, keep in mind, wise and loving and good. Tozer says, I've got to decide whether I shall go my way or trust in the wisdom of God. If I trust in God's wisdom, God promises, I will bring the blind by a way that they knew not. I will lead them in paths that they have not known. I will make darkness light before them and crooked things straight. That's from Isaiah 42. God will lead me through, and when he has tried me, I shall come forth as gold. And then Tozer goes on to tell the story as a great analogy to illustrate that, that he talks about that if we were to get on a plane, we would sit in our seat and completely be comfortable with the pilot guiding the plane. We would say, yep, let the pilot fly the plane. I'm going to stay here in my seat. I am not venturing into the cockpit. The pilot knows what he's doing. 
And then if we were to hit turbulence into the flight, and the plane is like tipping and it's bouncing up and down and we are extremely uneasy and very stressed about it, we still would stay in our seat. I doubt any of us at that moment would be like, okay, I don't like this turbulence. I'm going to storm the cockpit, get the pilot out of his seat, and I'm going to take over flying this plane. I know I wouldn't do that. I doubt any of you would. And yet, Tozer points out, that's what we're doing to God all the time. We read our Bible, we pray, we claim our love for him, and then life gets turbulent, and we decide that we should take over the pilot seat. Tozer says, when things get turbulent and we run and say, Lord, let me run this thing, that's why we're so messed up in our Christian lives. We're not ready to let God run our world for us, to run our family, our business, our home, our job, our everything. The wise God always thinks of your highest good for the longest time. He always does what he does with flawless precision, seeing the end from the beginning, never making any mistakes, and never asking anything from you that you can't do or don't have. He never makes any unfair demands. Whatever he commands, he gives you the power to obey the command. You can trust this kind of God. In closing, I'm going to circle back to the idea that God's omniscience gives us so much comfort. Listen to these words from the song by Torin Wells. I'm fully known and loved by you. You won't let go no matter what I do. And it's not one or the other. It's hard truth and ridiculous grace to be known, fully known and loved by you. I'm fully known and loved by you. It's so unusual, it's frightening. I'm fully known and loved by you. Dear friend, will you dare to trust the all-knowing and all-wise Father? And will you live each day like you do? Let me close in prayer. Oh Lord, what a comfort it is to know that you know all things. You know our future. You know the best road to take. And you know us intimately. And you are all wise in that knowledge. And yet, Lord, our pride gets in the way and our stubbornness. And we think that maybe we know a better way. We decide what road we should take, what turns to follow. Forgive us, Lord. Forgive us for when the turbulence hits and we're tempted to take over the pilot's chair. Oh, Lord, may we just remember that the all-knowing, all-wise God loves us with an everlasting love. Thank you that you will never use your intimate knowledge of us to hurt us or harm us in any way. Thank you for your deep care. I pray, Lord, that I can trust you and your knowledge and your wisdom and that my daily life will reflect that I trust you, that I don't just trust you with my words, but that I trust you with my actions and with my decisions. Oh, Lord, thank you. Thank you for loving us. 
thank you for knowing us. You care so much. You know the number of hairs on our head. We praise you, God, and we love you. Thank you for loving us. In Jesus' name we pray, 